Well, good morning and welcome to St. Paul's once again, especially if you're joining online and everyone here in the room. It's good to see you this morning. So what do the movies like Gladiator, John Wick, or TV shows like Killing Eve or Yellowstone all have in common other than topping the charts and winning boatloads of awards? Or if you're at a different pace, I'm going to use The Count of Monte Cristo or Les Mis. Last week, Jenny started off by saying that everyone loves an underdog story. We all do. We definitely love those underdogs. The runt of the litter, the youngest sibling. Or maybe because of our own feelings of feeling like the underdogs against our bigger southern neighbors. We love stories of underdogs, but we also love stories of justice. In our daily lives, in the daily news, we are surrounded by broken and bad situations that we want to be made right. Situations of injustice where the hero, a champion, comes in to make things right. So we are in the middle of our preaching series, Following the Life of King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel. And in the past weeks, we've heard how this runt of the litter was chosen over his bigger and older brothers, chosen and anointed to be the next king of Israel. And then we heard last week how this boy, David, was, came into this battle and he defeated the giant Goliath. These episodes show how David was anointed by God and how David was a champion for Israel. But we also heard that what David did imperfectly Jesus does perfectly. And so this week we have another characteristic, another characteristic of the soon-to-be King David, who is described as a man after God's own heart. And as Carrie read for us, we heard this fantastic story of David showing mercy to Saul. So like the story from last week, we have this amazing story of this amazing human quality last week about being a champion, this week about mercy. And there is something for us to emulate, something to imitate. Be like David. Show mercy to your enemies. This is a good and noble human quality to have regardless of who you are. So we'll start there. But because we also have this innate desire for justice and mercy, we'll also explore how justice and mercy are often shadows of one another pitted against each other on opposite sides of the spectrum, justice and mercy. And then we'll actually close out to see how we might be a bit more like Saul in this story. David is the hero, but we might be closer to Saul. And in this case, that's not a bad thing at all. Be like David. Show mercy to your enemies. Being like David is almost always a commendable pursuit. This man after God's own heart, this one who would become the celebrated king. But first, how did Saul and David become enemies? Because last week we were just seeing them fighting side by side against this common foe, against the Philistines. And then in that few short chapters from then till now, they've become enemies. Friends, barely, frenemies, and then straight to enemies. After last week's episode with Goliath, after David kills the giant with a sling and a stone from the river, David is now the hero of the nation. He's the Time Magazine person of the year. Move over, Taylor Swift. Move over, Vladimir Zelensky. Because when 
the army returns from battle, the radio is on repeat. Saul has killed his thousands. Amazing. But David has killed his ten thousands. So instead of cheering for King Saul, their current king, Israel is now cheering for this young upstart. And King Saul naturally feels jealous. When you're king of the hill, everyone is a threat. And just as we heard a few weeks back, just like the jealous and paranoid King Herod, Saul now looks for opportunities to kill David. And in these few short chapters from then till now, from Goliath till this situation, we have at least six or seven attempts to kill David by the time we find him hiding in that cave. David is on the run, political exile, covert assassination, witness protection, whatever you want to call it, this is real life in ancient history. Saul has taken his 3,000, 3,000 of his best fighters, and he's gone looking for David and his 600. David is seriously outmatched. And there is this even one episode where the bad guy, Saul, goes on a rampage and he kills innocent people who are actually trying to protect David. So there's a scene in 1 Samuel chapter 21 that fits into any suspense thriller movie that you can think of. 85 priests in one town killed because they refused to give up David's location. Look it up when you get home. 1 Samuel chapter 21. And so now we find David, his small band of brothers huddled in the cave, hiding out. And in waltzes Saul, all alone, no secret service to protect him. He needs to use the loo. Hey guys, give me a bit of privacy. I can handle this. And we've seen this before in movies. Unsuspecting baddie lets down their guard and the good guy takes them out. But David doesn't. His buddies are urging him on. I'm urging him on. Maybe you are urging him on. They had heard those rumors of David. Hey, David, going to be the next king. Now's the chance. They say to him, here is the day of, the, of which the Lord said to you, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. They echo the same words that David actually said to Goliath, that the Lord would deliver Goliath into David's hand. Time to stop running and put an end to Saul once and for all. But David chooses instead to spare Saul. He says to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to raise my hand against Saul, against him, for he is the Lord's anointed. David respects this office of the king, the Lord's anointed. And even though he has every right, every justification to kill Saul, he instead shows mercy. Be like Saul. Show mercy to your enemies. But this goes against all of our instincts. Because showing mercy, it goes against our instincts because we are hardwired for justice and fairness. Even the youngest child will cry out, that's not fair when they experience, you know, the injustice of the playground. And from there and onwards, we are hardwired for this justice and fairness. But before we get too much further, I want to just define the terms for us. Justice is getting what we deserve. Getting what is fair. It's getting the punishment that you deserve. And that means that showing mercy, on the other hand, is withholding punishment that someone deserves. 
Saul deserved to be punished for attempting to kill David six, seven times. Saul deserved to be killed for murdering 85 innocent priests. The king was supposed to uphold the law, but here he was, openly flaunting it, breaking the law. And the punishment for a murder is death, even for a king. So instead of receiving what he deserved, death, Saul received mercy. Showing mercy is difficult. If you're new to the church or you're new to this Jesus movement, you've probably at least heard that Christians are commanded to love their enemies. Don't be good only to your friends and family, but show favor to your enemies too. And if you've been a long-time Christian, you probably know that loving your enemies is the hardest thing to follow. But here, in this situation, we're not even talking about loving your enemies, showing favor. The first step is mercy. This is withholding punishment. Showing mercy is difficult because we want wrongdoers, we want perpetrators to get their just desserts, their just justice, their just desserts. Be, do wrong and get punished. Be a jerk, pay the price. Now, I am purposefully simplifying justice and mercy. It's either justice on one hand, getting the punishment you deserve, or it's mercy, not getting the punishment you deserve. And the reason I can simplify it this morning is because we're so bad at both of these. We're so bad at justice and we're so bad at mercy, let alone all the nuances, the grays in between. As broken and imperfect people, we do a bad job at showing mercy. So instead of lovingly withholding punishment, we turn a blind eye. We minimize grievances. We coddle. We say it's okay when it's not okay. And we do a bad job at exercising justice too. Because justice so easily becomes revenge and vengeance. An eye for an eye really does make the world go blind. And we can't stop the the vengeance train once it's started. If you actually have watched the recent John Wick movies, you'll know what I mean. And spoiler alert for those who haven't. They kill his dog, a very cute and lovable dog. And he goes out and kills 77 of them. He doesn't forgive 77 times. He kills 77 times. That is disproportionate. And there are if you turn away from our entertainment, there are indeed cases of justice where justice is served. But are they really fair? If you've been, if you've been following the news, perhaps this past week in the U.S., take E. Jean Carroll. She's the writer who sued Donald Trump. And I'm not here to debate her case, just saying what happened in the aftermath. This past Thursday, the judge ordered Donald Trump to pay her $83 million. A victory, perhaps. $83 million, $83 million penalty for defamation. But that money, $83 million, can't undo the years of pain, what has already happened, the torment of death threats. What would true justice be in her case? Would it be insults completely reversed and erased? Or the same insult gone the other direction against Trump? Because no amount of money would fully restore her. So you might be thinking, mercy, justice, they're both so hard, we're so bad at it, we should give up. Yes and no. 
David showed mercy in this encounter, and his conduct is exemplary. It's commendable. We should go and celebrate David and hold him up as a noble and honorable leader. But even David perverted justice. And he was cold-hearted in other situations instead of being merciful. In a few weeks, we'll hear about the abduction and sexual assault of Bathsheba. And then David kills her husband to cover it up. But David isn't the focus of our story today. As we've described throughout this preaching series, what David did imperfectly, Jesus does perfectly. We don't need to emulate and aspire to David's imperfect mercy. So we can lay down that idea of trying to show mercy on our own, trying to do justice on our own terms. So instead of trying to be the hero, trying to be the good guy but hiding in the cave, I'm going to ask us to inhabit a different character. And this might feel a little bit strange. Instead of trying to be like David, trying to work up the courage to show mercy and justice in this encounter, be like Saul. What, I'm, what do I mean by that, be like Saul? Instead of attempting to show mercy, start by receiving mercy. David is the proto-Jesus. That is, David is the prototype of Jesus. David shows a good way. But only Jesus does it perfectly. So instead of striving to be merciful like David, attempting to stop that runaway vengeance train, instead of trying to walk that fine line of mercy and justice, start by receiving mercy like Saul did. After David spoke up and revealed himself to Saul, Saul immediately knew that it was he himself that was in the wrong, and he wept. Saul wept in recognition of who he was, of, of himself, recognition of what David had done. You are more righteous than I. You have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Saul recognized the evil, the injustice of his treatment to David. David had treated him so much better than he deserved. He, Saul deserved to be punished, but David sent him away safely. No harm done, no retribution other than that torn cloak. So just as Jesus follows after David, we can follow after Saul in this situation. And that's the challenge that we have for us, not to imagine ourselves as David, but to imagine ourselves as Saul. When Saul received that mercy from David, he didn't know it at first. And in the same way, each of us here even if we know it or not, we have already received mercy from God. We have offended God by sinning against God's holy laws. We have made ourselves enemies of Jesus by rejecting him as our Lord. And then we can also recognize that God showers us with good and we often repay God with the evil in our hearts and the evil in our hands. And so that's the other extension of the challenge is to allow Jesus to do perfectly for us what David can't. We can receive the mercy and the forgiveness that Jesus offers. We can recognize that Jesus is righteous and perfect. And Jesus does more than just withhold punishment from us. Jesus doesn't just let us off the hook so that we can be enemies again, being on the hamster wheel, offending God over and over again. Jesus also restores us to what we should be what God created us to be. 
Jesus spares us a penalty and he also restores our hearts to become more and more like him. That's what perfect mercy looks like. So whoever you are, whether someone close to Jesus, a longtime follower, or someone cynical or critical of Jesus, you can respond. You and I can respond how Saul does in, in this episode. You can receive mercy. You can receive a second chance, even if like Saul, you might just blow it again. So receive the mercy of God, this gift that God offers today. In a minute, we're going to confess to God. We're going to confess like how Saul confessed to David. And we'll confess how we have repaid God's goodness with evil. But we can receive this gift of mercy. And after we've received it, we can consider how we might offer it to others. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give to others if you haven't received it for yourself. So receive God's perfect mercy so that you can in turn go and show mercy to those who have offended you, to those who have hurt you and assaulted you, to show mercy to your enemies. We are not even worthy to gather up the crumbs under God's table. Yet God is the same God who delights in showing us mercy. Amen.